My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast, a special edition. Kate and I have just finished Better Call Saul, as have you. As far as we know, this is the conclusion of the Breaking Bad universe as we know it. Hey, you spent, what, the last week watching seasons, what, four and five? Correct. Seasons four, five, and six. Yep. (laughs) So you've gotten kind of the scope of Saul in a condensed time, and I feel like that's almost better for the sake of the conversation because you're more like – like I forgot a lot of the shit that went down in season one and two and three, so I feel like you're probably more up to date with – how drastic of an arc he's been through. So sort of what are your first take thoughts coming out out of the finale? You're completely right in that this was a refreshing experience, especially because what there's like a two year break because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. Uh, So um, yeah, this was nice to be able to have this big chunk that I could just plow through in five days. It was exhausting, but I did it. Um, Yeah, no, it's the fall of Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman, Gene Ackman, or whatever the hell his name is. Gene Ackman. Gene Takovich. Gene Takovich. Yeah, yeah. I said Gene Ackman. No, it is a a slow decline. I mean, like, he starts at a point where you already recognize he's a bad guy, right? And you quickly see him becoming worse as time goes on. so he's, he's getting worse and then he has to have this decline and he got what he deserved in the end. He, he goes to jail and uh, it's a show that I think sticks to its guns and doesn't cop out by letting him go free or killing him. I don't think that would be the honest thing to do because they did that with Walter, but by having Walter die, Jesse go free and, uh, Saul go to jail. I think those are the perfect endings for everyone. Everyone got exactly what they deserved. Mm. Um, may not be what everyone wants for all those characters, depending on their perspectives, but is what everyone deserves. And I love when a show can be that honest and stick to its guns. Because you never know when you're writing a show like that, are people going to respond to this, you know, positively? Uh, when you've spent, you know, Saul Goodman almost 20 years with this guy. So... um I just love that. I love that they can be honest like that and authentic. It, it's great how you bring up every main character in this world got what they deserve because today I watched like episodes one through three of the first season. And one of the first moments that we see Saul come to the fore through Jimmy is when he's trying to negotiate with Tuco for the lives of those skateboarders right. who ran the, and who they ran the scheme on is grandma on and jimmy convinces him to have the punishment fit the crime he explains that killing these kids for trying to run this scheme is not quite a fair thing so in the end he breaks their legs and sort of i guess a thematic uh full circle in that sense that walt jesse saul all sort of found the ending that they deserve but what i think i was most fascinated by in terms of deserving like i think in general, the fandom was going into tonight's show generally kind of worried about mm-hmm. the outcome of all these characters that they cared about. And I would say that certainly more than Breaking Bad was, this was almost a happy ending, I felt like. Like, there were no 
major dramatic reveals. There were no major cliffhangers or twist endings. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of surprised by the almost... Because what I found about the Breaking Bad world is how unrelentingly bleak it is, but not bleak <laughs> in an... But not bleak in an unfair way. They all no, make absolutely. their own. They all make their own bed, and as you said, they get what they deserve. So for them to not necessarily let Jimmy off the hook, but to reframe him as like a half victim, half willing mm. participant, and virtually for the context of what he did, not only with with Walt, but as a general criminal lawyer, for him to both be punished, but also use the skills that he's procured over the 10, 15 years that he's been doing this to get himself off on an easier deal Mm -hmm. while still showing Kim that he understands the wrong of his ways. I think that that's sort of both a thematic and plotting tie-in that not only makes sense, but also caught us all off guard. Like I was shocked by how undramatic this... (laughs) finale was which usually is not what you want to say no absolutely but it's nice for once in the breaking bad world tonight <laughs> to, to not white knuckle through an hour and a half absolutely and i mean you go to the breaking bad finale it is a such a wide contrast there's a machine gun that kills a bunch of nazis right. and and a guy that's been enslaved being freed and like that's some heavy heavy stuff and it's awesome but it's such a, a different contrast where this is almost more of an epilogue, right? Where you, you yeah. kind of know where this is going one way or the other. Um, and it's, it's Saul Goodman having to answer for his crimes. And it's for the first time, I think probably ever, you see Jimmy being truthful. Just laying it out there, coming to terms with, I can't really weasel my way out of this. I can maybe get myself a better deal by being honest. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much he actually believes he's a victim of Walter White. I know that that is not incorrect, but, you know, he does also say, you know, I made millions. So, you know, whatever. What do you What do you think puts him to that point? Do you think it was him hearing that Kim did the right thing? Like, because I don't think that that was his plan until he heard that, he couldn't trade the Hamlin death. Once he found that out, I think then he sort of had a guilty conscience trip. Like, where, like at, at what point do you think that switch flipped for him? I think you're dead on. I mean, because he's in that initial meeting, just kind of smiling, like, I'm going to get out of oh, this. Like, no, I know. I know. He's crushing them. Yeah. He's crushing them. He's putting powerful lawyers in a fucking mental box it's unbelievable <laughs> dude and when he says like i only need one juror because you know they need to rule unanimously on this so i only need one juror to back and um that's that's brilliant and then he hears that kim did the right thing after she had just asked him turn yourself in give it up i'm glad you're alive but this is not it this is not the life that you should be living you're living a lie and so by her volunteering that, putting herself on the line, he's told that they can sue her into the ground, take everything she has now and forever. That makes him think, if she's willing to do that, maybe I should do my part too. I love this woman. And um, 
you know, I, he never really understood why she left him, I think. I think, you know, on some level he does, but it doesn't fully click. He's like, well, I, she, when she leaves him, he goes, tell me what I need to do to change. It's like, isn't it obvious? You know, like. <laughs> stop, stop being a complete scumbag. Yeah, a dude well, just fucking got his brains blown out in your living room and you're thinking, what what's wrong? What do I need to do to change to make you happy? And uh, <laughs> so it's it's this come to Jesus moment for him that, oh, I am the bad guy. I'm not I'm not good. And uh, I need to reckon with that. And that's, again, just going back to honest. That is an honest ending for that character. So let's swing through some of the cameos real quick. From my count, we got Mike in the first scene. Mm-hmm. We got. Um, Oh, Jesus Christ. What's her name? Uh, Hanks. Marie. Yes, which I did not expect at all. And I thought that was sort of the perfect card to play and balance between, like, fan service Mm -hmm. and and fits in the plot. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, the death of Hank is what broke the wheel, right? Like, that is when the dam broke and when Walter White was no longer able to keep the drug world out of his life. So it makes sense that that is still sort of an, the nexus point of this entire world that at this point, we're trying to make the criminals involved with the d- death of Hank pay. So I thought that the cameo from her was great. I always thought that she was an extremely underrated part of that show to begin with. Uh, we also got, I, I believe his lawyer was the, was the Albuquerque DA who he would like try to make, deals with in the very beginning and then of course we we get wall so let's start with mike i thought that because i think that they are clear being clear about the fact that this is in all likelihood the last hour of breaking bad tv will ever get so then therein this is the last time that we see mike and the way that they you know perhaps you could blame the fact that he is probably exhausted and on the verge of <laughs> dying of thirst, but we see a sort of rare rawness and humanity for Mike that we usually only see when he's around his granddaughter. Yeah. We never see it from him when he's on the clock and sort of using Mike as this thematic through line of regret that we see Saul think about and we see Kim think about and we see Walter White think about was I was just such an incredible tone setter for the episode to follow. Like we didn't see Mike doing what he was known best for, which was be an incredible hitman. We saw Mike in a moment of reflection and a moment of re- regret. And that honestly, to me, was probably one of the more emotional scenes in the show because we know where Mike winds up from yeah. this point And the fact that he has regrets even before Walter White comes into his life. <laughs> Exactly. And it's a perfect examination of Saul because he's like, yeah, I would go back and invest in uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And it's like, oh, <laughs> right. That is what you would do. <laughs> like, you don't care. Uh, you're about to die in the fucking desert. And the only thing you can think about is like, man, if I had a time machine, I'd get I'd become a trillionaire. And it's like Mike looks at him and is like, you fucking serious? And, um, you know, th- I think it's funny. Content like timing context as well that he doesn't say Steve Jobs. Like if it's 2010, <laughs> any a, any reasonable person says, "Oh yeah, Steve Jobs." But the Absolutely. fact that he goes to fucking 
Warren Buffett is just such a unique timing detail that, <laughs> that I loved. Exactly. And and it's just it's just the per examination of like, yeah, you you would do that for money. You don't care about anything else. And the the motif of the time machine throughout the episode of these guys going, you know, like, would you go back and what regrets do you have? And you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but when they sit down with Walter White and talk about his regrets and you see it again with Saul just giving this very it's a it's an honest answer, but it's so like ah oh, you really don't fucking get it, you idiot. And um that having the two main characters of the Breaking Bad universe and sitting them down and just having a talk to talk about the difference between these two guys. Walter White did it because he enjoyed it. He's admitted that. But I think he still has some regrets. You know, he's like, mm, you know, there is he lost his family. Um, and that's that's upsetting for a, a common suburban family man. And Saul Goodman, all he lost was really his wife and his brother. And, um, you know, it's it's questionable. How you, much you do you find that? Do you find that sort of a cheap shortcut? Because while I like the destination, nothing that we had seen from Gene over the last few weeks suggested that he was a, um, uh, I'm not sure if mournful is the right word, but a regretful man about the way that things went down. Sure, he might have relapsed for the specific purpose of getting caught, but mm. I felt the, 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 the total contrition that he showed up to trial with was a bit of a sort of stark 180 from what we had seen this season so far. No, you are right. Um, I was trying to sit there and be like, is this, is this, does this make sense? And uh, I feel like it does uh, because I, again, it goes back to Kim, right? He, she is the one that grounds him. She was the Harley Quinn to the Joker almost. Um, right. And the fact that she had her moment of honesty where when when he calls her, there's not a, a smile on her face, a moment of happiness. He calls her because she called that, that other gal, his receptionist, and was like, is he alive? And it's almost like when you when you see the other side of that conversation, it's like, was she asking because she genuinely cared? Because he seems to think like, oh, maybe I can get her back. Or she, 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 she still cares, you know? And it's like, I don't know if that's what that was. It's almost like, is this over? And right, right, it's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. angle to get that at. And so I think when he realizes that she doesn't care in the way that maybe he had hoped, it's kind of a, you know, like I said earlier, a come to Jesus moment. So what did you think about the role that Kim played here? I would say like her finale was more so last week. She has that hopefully Emming, Emmy winning breakdown on the bus that's sort of her uh walk off grand slam right at that. and then this week is more of a scaled back reserve version but i i i think that the touch that they put on like what ultimately begins to mend the bridge between the two is is not only jibby doing the right thing which of course is step one but when she goes to see him She's not like, oh, I'm so proud of you for doing the morally correct thing. She's like, wow, seven years. 
impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that the combination of those two, of her being satisfied that Jimmy finally seems to be on the moral right course, but also that initial intoxication that she had with him was, you know, he's a bit of a goofball, but he's a damn good lawyer. Yeah. I feel like it, the, the series potentially left it open for like, you know, when he gets out, they may reconnect at some point. Yeah. It's, it's almost like she still kind of respects a little bit of the con, you know, like, yeah. the game. like yep. she's like, man, you got him. You did it again. Yep. And, uh, but also understanding that this is a reformed Saul or the start of a reformed Saul. And that's, uh, that, that moment where they're smoking the cigarette in the jail cell or whatever, where you want to call it. Very reminiscent of when they'd go to the parking garage. There was a quick second where I thought that they were just going to start to fuck. Not fuck, but like... (laughs) When she, like, locked the door and checked to see if something was bad there, I was like, she's making a move on him. This is. I thought she was going to kiss him or something. Cigarette is the next best thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's as close as you're going to get because you know the intimacy of those moments from the early seasons in the parking garage and stuff. And so I really appreciated that. And then... Uh, my heart broke when she leaves and you see the divided fence and yeah. she leaves him kind of in the rearview mirror, basically. Similar framing of the way they framed Mike and Nacho's father a few weeks prior. Right. Right, yeah. That that fence imagery is, is really well used. There's a lot of good imagery in this episode. A lot of callbacks, like the exit sign from the episode where yeah, uh, of course. So fucks Chuck in the in the courtroom. Um, which and I, and I will say this week, I felt the lack of color more than I previously had. Like seeing Jimmy stroll into court in what I'm sure was maybe the most outrageous suit he's ever worn. Yeah. in the Breaking Bad world, to just have it totally zapped of color, it was like. I always kind of thought the the color thing was, especially the way they use it towards the end, a little heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. But it, but this week I was like, oh wow, like you really do see how, and and just from not even from a thematic standpoint, from a technical standpoint, the the Breaking Bad world is one of the most uniquely and gorgeous shot TV shows out 100%. there. Yeah. So for them to willingly take that from us for the effect of thematics, I think finally culminated for me this week, seeing Jimmy back in, in the black and white world, back in his hometown in court, the sort of merging of those two completely threw me off in the best, best way possible. Yeah. It's, it's, you see, he's back in New Mexico, a very orange, uh, state. (laughs) Um, and he's, I, I can only assume that that's, the suit he's wearing is, I don't know if you've seen this. There's a piece of key art for this season of the uh, kind of aged up Saul wearing a red suit and it's like super uh, bright. I don't know oh. if that's what that, that is, but oh, that's, okay. that's where my mind went. Um, I bet and you we could match the ties. Maybe, maybe. Um, and, you know, he's in there with a little bit of his flair that he had when he went to the courtroom back in the day. And so you, it's it's a jarring contrast where you're just like, 
this is so cold. I mean, the lack of music across these last few episodes is so impactful. It's very isolating. It's a little maddening. It makes you feel a little sick. Um, yeah. And I, I really love that. And combine that with um, the duality of his job at Cinnabon, and now he's still cooking bread in in prison. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I think he maybe came to terms with like his new life was already kind of jail-ish. You know, he doesn't have freedom. He has to hide. So, And what's funny is, even in jail, like, he could still probably do some some soul in. Yeah. Like, there is, like, like, there is a world to game in there. Absolutely. Um, do, do you think he would do that? Or would that well, be... And that, and that is why the whole Kim thing, to me, I just found to be a bit stark. Like, once it's like when you get a raise at a job, right? For three weeks, you're the best employee on earth. But then you sort of, but then you sort of fall back into your old ways. So I wonder if he's a year in, if he's the the cigarette king of jail. You know what I mean? Like how long he's able to keep track? I don't think that we will revisit it at this point. One thing that I'm going to ask you at the end is if there was another Breaking Bad, you universe show what would that be but for now let's swing over to walter white who brian cranston man even though they have the bald cap on him which is <laughs> no they're doing the best that they can but you really can't sub substitute for a true freshly shaved <laughs> even all that aside how and i just finished a breaking bad rewatch this week. So I just watched this moment in time that this flashback took place in. And the way that Brian Cranston is able to not only become Walter White again, but to come, but to become this like uniquely frenetic, erratic, almost like talking to himself unhinged version so seamlessly. It's just a reminder of like, why Better Call Saul even existed in the first place is because the Walter White character was such a comet landing on the television planet of dinosaurs that that almost 10 years later, he could show up for a scene and everyone on Twitter is like, holy shit, this guy's still throwing 100 miles on on the black. Yeah, he... Um... It's it's funny to see him and Aaron Paul because I no fault to Aaron Paul because he's playing a much older, I mean he's a much older actor playing a twenty year old kid, and uh, Walter White and Brian Cranston are more closer in age now. Uh, <laughs> you see the contrast between the two, and just he, there's no one that is better for that role, and it's hard to imagine any other face playing Walter White, and. Which episode of Breaking Bad was that? This is what? this is probably uh, the end of Ozymandias, if not the beginning of Granite State. So this is either the third to last or penultimate. Were they like waiting for like the vacuum cleaner guy? Yeah. It, so okay, they're so they're in the, they're in like his basement. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, it's a perfect place to put both of them because it's both the end of their current lives um it's everything has collapsed and you know it's it's collapsing all over again for Saul and he's flashing back to this and again it's 
it's perfect because you see the consequences of their actions and you see what it does to them. At this point, Saul has nothing left to lose really besides his business. And Walter White has everything to lose. And uh, you see that impact him more. And Walter White kind of looking at Saul like, you're not taking this as seriously as I am. Like, you, you understand that this is bad, but, like, the ramifications of all of this is so hardcore. <laughs> and it's just interesting to, to see, again, examining the two Breaking Bad universe protagonists and putting them under the harsh light of day and and seeing the contrast to them. Well, and it, it, it's it's Walter White that gets him to that point. I think exactly. that's why they sort of use the Mike scene at the start to show that it is his journey with this. I mean, Saul was, and that's why I think it's such a complex character, almost more so than Walt, because, you know, Walt was a bad dude. There yeah. is, every time I rewatch, I find what he did more and more repulsive every yeah. single time. Whereas with Jimmy slash Saul, it is definitely more gray. So to see Walter White almost ha like he morally decays Saul, but then brings him to rock bottom, which leaves him with no place to go but up. Yeah. Weirdly. And that is what gives him the perspective of, oh, maybe it's not all about money, because it, if it is, you wind up in a basement with this crazy fucking <laughs> lunatic ranting and raving about the water heater, you know? So <laughs> did you find, did, uh, I was satisfied with Walter White that we had gotten so far. I didn't think we needed any more granted, given that this was the last hour in the breaking bad world. Probably it's kind of hard to not include him, but did you think it was worthy or did, did you think it was not cheap fan service, but deserve fan fan service? I think it's deserved because like we like we've been talking about it it helps you put get in the mindset of where Saul is at and why he's making the decisions that he's making. And as you said, it's probably the end of the Breaking Bad universe as we know it. And if it's if it's not, I don't think we're coming back to Walter White. Um so it's 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 a perfect little period to say, you know, Walter White's been here every step of the way. And this is all him. Like uh, all of this is a results of him. And, uh, you know, like, uh, Saul said, if it wasn't for him, Walter would probably be dead or behind bars a month after they had met. And, um, it, it they are both complicit in this destruction of Albuquerque as we know it, fucking up this whole community, fucking up all these families. And uh, I think it is a completely necessary thing to to show both the similarities and the contrast between these two protagonists. And you brought up a great point that I almost had forgotten. The absolute lawyer mastery of Saul to, at once, admit his guilt, mm -hmm. get, get a good deal, and take credit for the Walter White empire, which you know he always wanted. Mm -hmm. to do that all and sort of like get Kim back on his side yeah. all in one foul swoop is just you know the the brilliance of Jimmy's last soft last G and the fact that he can balance and 
coalesce all of those things at once in one moment and and half genuinely mean it, but half be speaking through his ass. It's just it it's everything that made the character so compelling all at once. Uh I think we've hit at all the major points unless you have anything else that you want to touch on. I know you wanted to talk about uh what a future breaking bad. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So the the one that I have uh in mind is that I think that the best shot would be uh prequel series about Mike's days as a Philly cop. Yeah, I mean, they, they address a little bit of that throughout the show. You get some interesting insight into what that looked like. I wouldn't mind that. I don't need it. I think if you're going to do something, that would make the most sense. Because otherwise, really, uh, what can you do? Like, <laughs> it's everyone's dead or behind right. bars or... Well, there's talk about the Gus Spring rise to power. There's talk mm-hmm. about the Salamanca world. Yeah, I wouldn't mind, like, more wallow in some capacity uh-huh, uh-huh. uh but otherwise like yeah i i don't know um it's all those ideas are interesting and i would watch them but like i think you're if you continue to expand the world you begin to oversaturate it in right, a way exactly. that you know especially because it seems like vince gilligan's ready to move on and if yeah if they were to continue this, it would be in someone else's hands. And not that I don't trust, because they've had so many amazing writers and directors come across this franchise. I'm sure someone could do a really good job, but I think this is just the appropriate place to leave it. I would be okay with it in like micro doses, like another movie or something, but right. Grand scheme. I I don't want like another series, at least not anytime soon. All right. Before we wrap up here, we are going to open it up to listen their conversation questions. I don't really, I'm not exactly familiar with how the spaces guest function <laughs> works. So if you want to chime in, go ahead and request. I see we have one right here now from Wyatt. So I'm going to go ahead and accept him. Wyatt, I believe you should be live if you want to go ahead and share your thoughts or ask us. Man, uh, I love all of this shit. <laughs> God damn it. Uh. The, the show? The show, the, the show, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, the cool, show. Cool. No, actually, this podcast Same sucks, here, bro. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, man. Um, Go ahead, look, dude. man, so here's uh, the way I started watching this, actually. Uh, first of all, hi, Kate. How you doing? Um, good. good. Um, <laughs> so I actually, believe it or not, I actually started with Better Call Saul. I did not watch Breaking Bad prior to, uh, prior to Saul. Oh. I watched the first two seasons of Saul before watching Breaking Bad. So you're caught up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started saw when it okay. came out in 2015. Wait, so what spurred that? Why why go that route? So I don't really know what it was. I mean, I've always kind of wanted to pick it up, but I was just like, huh, Better Call Saul. You know what? I think I'll check this out since it's a prequel. First first scene. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still a continuation in some Yeah, capacity. so I was just like, all right, you know what? I'll probably get to that at some point. Two years later, 2018, I start watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> um... And yeah, actually, it's funny too. My mom was the one that actually started Saul first, and then I jumped in. So it was like this whole fucking thing. But then 2018, I finished Breaking Bad. And I'm like, wow, I'm so excited for the next season of Saul, which I think was later that year. Um, and then it was kind of just kind of on and off, right? Because they only had, they had like they took a year off, I think, after that. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, they did it for the next few seasons, I think. But yeah, and damn, dude, ever since then, this show has just been. 
like this whole universe even el camino is probably the weakest one of this but even still it's a good movie you can't deny it's at least a good movie yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think it's, better it's, than it's even better. Yeah, and I think <laughs> if you look at it, I think what hurts that film more than most, and Wyatt, thank you for chiming in. I, I, I think that what hurts that more than most is the fact that it like uses sort of movie cameras and like looks a bit too HD, where it kind of like throws off your perspective of what world you're in, and it makes it feel probably more important than it should have. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw that movie in a movie theater. Like they had like a limited run. And you are, dude. You are single-handedly keeping the entire <laughs> business afloat. You've seen Top Gun about six times. <laughs> I I I love the theatrical experience, and that was an awesome way to see that movie. Uh, it's such a, a visceral experience, and it's a unique experience, and it's another epilogue to the Breaking Bad universe that I think fits in perfectly and it's executed with the pizzazz and premium feel that the Breaking Bad universe has to offer with a, a little bit of a larger budget. And uh, yeah, I, I I like that they keep acknowledging and calling back to like, Jesse Pinkman's gone. Like that, I, I love the continuity of it all and the acknowledgement and not bringing him back in uh, in the modern day to be like, yeah, here he is. It's like, well, that would ruin everything. But right, exactly. um, uh, yeah, I, I really just appreciate that that movie. I'm going to rewatch it probably this week. I really, like I it. I just watched it today, and I was like, actually, you know what? This is pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I, it's a and, and let me tell you, one of the all time trailer drops I've ever experienced 100 percent entire life. The whole marketing oh, for that movie was yo Netflix. Awesome. What have you been doing since then? Like, <laughs> where, where where are we at? I just saw a fucking trailer today on tv for their new movie day shift i saw it yeah like bro just make more breaking bad shit yeah let vince gilligan go fucking crazy with your 100 billion dollars yeah all right (laughs) so we will open the floor up to anybody who wants to chime in and then if not we'll wrap this up uh unless anyone does chime in i'll just say that like i this show started in 2008 i would or Breaking Bad started in 2008 when I was a freshman in high school. I'm now six months away from turning 30. And in the same way on this podcast, I talk all the time about Pulp Fiction and Goodfellas and The Dark Knight, sort of shaping the arc of my personal and professional life. Breaking Bad. And I know that I've become there. I literally saw a meme this past week of (laughs) a photo of of Walt and just on top of sex like the masculine urge to say, quote, Breaking Bad is the best show I've seen every five minutes. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I am I am literally that meme at this point. <laughs> but the way that The Sopranos and The Wire defines people who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, Breaking Bad has, you know, set a course of, of my professional life that has changed it forever i remember watching ozymandias in my frat house with all my friends and all of us 20 guys sitting in dead silence completely stunned at what we had just seen i remember watching the finale with my ex-girlfriend and crying at points and now (laughs) here i am almost 30 and and i'm still being blown away by this world and this show so if this is the end to you know vince and 
everybody involved. I absolutely cannot thank them enough. Kate? Yeah. I, uh, I was 12 when I watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, I was, that was the summer of 2013. I think I was going into seventh grade and, um, I was like, I had watched a little bit of it here and there. And then when I knew it was about to end, I'm like, all right, I want to plow through this. I want to watch this. And I watched that and Dexter, you know, one of my other favorite shows in one summer and just grinded these shows and, um, DVR'd the last season of, uh, Breaking Bad to watch it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that was an awesome experience. There's an ad for like the last season of Breaking Bad that I remember so vividly with this, uh, song. I forget what it's even called, but it's perfect. And uh, everything about that time was just so memorable. The first TV show that wasn't SpongeBob or something that I remember <laughs> engaging with and being like, holy shit, this is, this is real fucking shit. Um, yeah, it was so good. And, um, something I won't go too deep into it, but this show is interesting because, or uh, Better Call Saul, because it, it echoes a lot of the things from like the last episode of the new Dexter season as well, but it handles it with a lot more precision. Uh, this, this show does, and it addresses the culpability of the main character, examines the people around them, how they feel about the main character, and uh, a lot of the people hate the ending of the new season of Dexter, and I think that won't be the Damn, same for this show. Damn, they did it again, because... huh? <laughs> I think that's because Dexter viewers are not as intelligent <laughs> as they think they are. Um, that's a different time. That's a different podcast. Exactly. Go ahead, I'm sorry. But no, no, but uh but I think Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul viewers that have made it this far understand the story, understand morals, understand that these are bad people and we have to address that. And I really respect that the show treats the audience with respect, with intelligence, with integrity because a lot of shows don't do that because they don't trust their audience. But this show understands that it has an intelligent audience backing it. All right. I think that that is the perfect place to wrap up. Make sure to follow me at Eric Italiano. Follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder. Follow the podcast at PostgredPod. I hope I can figure out a way to upload this to the regular podcast feed. But if not, Cade, I'm glad we got at least this. 30 minutes to chat about this wonderful show and world. All right, brother, I will talk to you Friday about what? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> we, but we'll figure that out. I don't think She-Hulk drops. I, actually, the She-Hulk reactions are going to be dropping in about a minute. So oh, wow. I'll make sure to hit up Twitter for that. Um, social embargo. What is it? 1129. I will tell you right. Oh, it's 1130. I'll share <laughs> my thoughts. Uh, you know, the Hulk discourse is going to be wild on this one. The way that they've nerfed our boy is just unbelievable. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like, it's aggressive at this point. Oh. All right, y'all. We will talk. <laughs> All right, y'all. We will talk to you later. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 